The second C is commitment. Physicians who stay connected to their sense of purpose in medicine, you know, to be constantly aware of what it is about the work that I do that drew me to this, that really aligns with my sense of values, with my morals, and gives me that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day. The more we can stay connected to that uh, sense of commitment, uh, the healthier and well we're going, we're going to feel. Welcome to Specialty Scoop, Actualité en Spécialité. This podcast is brought to you by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. It's a space to highlight what's top of mind for medical specialists. And it's a place for inspiration and for a sense of community. I'm your host, Dr. Guylaine Lefebvre. Thanks for joining me. Where has this year gone? Summer's winding down. Our conversation today is happening at the end of August. Uh, new routines are starting up. School will be returning. The demands on specialists are evolving and more likely increasing, and the uncertainty is ever looming as to the fall. What will things be like for us with COVID still roaming? Let's take the next 20 minutes or so to reset. Let's talk about physician wellness. I graduated from med school in 1985, and I can tell you no one talked about physician wellness then. It's not because mental health was less important, that's for sure, but we just didn't talk about it. Our guest today is Dr. Mamta Gautam. She's an international authority in physician mental health, and I'll share some scoop with you. Mamta and I were in the same class, and Mamta, you were going to be a pediatrician, and then she was attracted to psychiatry. And as she opened her office, she was so swamped with physicians who wanted and needed to see her that she's dedicated her entire career to the mental health of doctors. Welcome, Mamta. Thank you so much, uh, Guylaine, for having me here today and for this opportunity to have what we know is an important discussion on physician wellness. As we get started, I'd like to uh, uh, say how great it is, too, that we both met first in medical school in Ottawa and are back here in Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa is the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. I'm very grateful to be present here, and I acknowledge my responsibility for change and my commitment to learning and working towards reconciliation. Thanks, Mamta. We recorded recently a podcast on land acknowledgement, and it's led me to understand that respecting the land and Mother Earth, it, it actually contributes to grounding us and uh, in a way that helps us be more connected, I think. So on our theme of, of wellness today, I believe everyone knows and understands that this is a really difficult time for healthcare workers, isn't it? The, the pandemic, strained healthcare systems, failing resources, all of those things contribute to physician unwellness burnout, suffering, moral injury. How about in this episode, you and I talk less on statistics and the problem and a little bit more about, is there anything we can do both to prevent and perhaps to address the situation? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Just to refocus and I hope, you know, offer a sense of hope as we move forward. Before we jump into our discussion, we have a couple of uh, medical specialists who've agreed to to share with us a little bit of their story or their perspective. I mean, everybody's struggling with wellness and burnout. 
you know, with the pandemic, it's really precipitated a, a shortage of resources, both uh, structural and, and human. And it, we're struggling to deal with this new level setting of inadequate resources. And so inadequate beds, inadequate uh, surgical access, human resources are, are really kind of the big thing right now. And it's really affecting everybody and at, at all levels. So I think it's this moral distress that we have is really kind of just multiplied since the pandemic. So it's it's been a big issue. Well, working in the emergency department, the pressure is the volume of patients that we have that come to the emergency department is much greater than it ever was before. And there's many reasons for this. I mean, I think a lot of families are feeling some anxiety or stress, worries, concerns about COVID, an inability to access primary care in a timely manner that results in them coming to the emergency department, which puts a significant burden on us. And, and we are understaffed as well. You know, people are off because of COVID physicians and nurses. And we've had many people leave the emergency department um, just because of the stress of, of working there uh, more than we've ever seen before. So that's put a really big volume of patients on the emergency department that results in us just in the inability us to see them all in a timely manner, which just becomes more stressful and for families. So Mamta, physician wellness, this must look different for everyone. What does that term mean? What a great question, Guylaine, right? We uh, talk a lot about, you know, when things are not well, and we recognize, of course, physician wellness or physician well-being is so intrinsically important for its impact on physicians, on patient care and the healthcare system. But we actually have not properly, I think, conceptually clarified this. You know, a lot of how we uh, describe wellness is often based on whatever metric or um, assessment was used in a particular study. And I think that really a lot of times it's about perhaps emphasizing the absence of negative mood and emotions like burnout. But really, I think that, uh, you know, when I think about physician wellness, I see it as much more holistic, uh, making sure that we are well emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and I guess essentially that we're in a state that allows us to do what we want to do to the best of our abilities in the way that we want to do it. I love that you brought up right from the get-go that physician wellness is actually important for physicians, but it's critically important for patients. We, we really need to have healthy physicians to be able to look after our patients. Absolutely. And I think there are some good studies that just reinforce uh, what we know intuitively that healthy physicians lead to healthy patients and healthy communities. Yeah, one of the things that definitely is true for our 40 years of being in this business, we're, we're often described as being resilient. Uh, there's no doubt that to get into med school, let alone be successful as you embark on the profession, you, you need to be resilient. It, it affects our choice of profession for sure and our lifestyle. How can we look at things differently so that we just perhaps release some of the pressure we put on ourselves? You know, we can be hard on ourselves for sure. I mean, there's a certain type of personality that's drawn to medicine, the ki kind of person, the kind of colleague that is you know, very conscientious, that's very responsible, that, you know, wants to do things to the best of their abilities and almost that perfectionistic, uh, obsessive compulsive kind of traits that 
really lend themselves well to you know success in the work that we do. And this is reinforced throughout our training by the culture of medicine. It's reinforced um, by our patients. They, of course, like it that we're highly responsible and conscientious and always available. It continues to be like that. You know, and we're almost taught to look at, you know, what more we could have done and how much more we can still do, right? And really focus on on that part. But the reality is we do do a lot of good. And I think it's important to remind ourselves of that. First of all, that we, you know, have gotten this far, that we do have what it takes. And, uh, you know, I often find myself in difficult situations and I think, you know, I might not know exactly what to do here, but I know I can learn, right? And I think that, you know, that just that sense of reassurance uh, is really helpful for us. We have proven that we can learn. And uh, in our critical analysis, uh, thinking, you know, those kinds of skills help us. And so it's really important for us to remind ourselves that, you know, we can do this. I think uh, sometimes, as I say, we're so focused on what more we could have achieved. It's important to balance that with what we have done well. And I would encourage us to, you know, to at the end of the day, take some time and think about, you know, what was the highlight of my day? What was one thing that I'm grateful for? What is one thing that I feel I've done well today? And uh, I think overall, uh, you know, to recognize that we do do a good job, and I'm not suggesting we should not do that. I think it is good for us and it's part of part of our identity. Uh, so I, I think it's important for us to do our best, but to be thoughtful and careful not to dismiss it and actually give ourselves credit for what we do. I like your your recommendation here. And I'll relate it very concretely to uh, in my active uh, surgical practice, I would have a day where I'd see patients and follow up and perhaps I'd see 20, 25 patients in a day. And out of those, 24 would tell me how thrilled they were that everything went well. And what did I go home with and driving the car thinking about is the one person who perhaps had a suboptimal experience and what could I have done differently? And that just, it eats at you a little bit. And why is it that we remember the one out of 25 where nothing drastic, but they just didn't like the resident or the nurse or us or something that didn't happen the way it should Hopefully, there's a, a nugget of learning in that it helps us continuously improve. How do we make it so it doesn't become our driver and, and lead us to exhaustion? Absolutely. And in, in cognitive therapy, we talk about that being sort of, you know, this drop of blue ink that really discolors like a whole bathtub full of clear water, right? And so part of the reason we talk about that is because it is normal. People do it. The important thing here is just to acknowledge, to recognize, to be aware that we do this, that we're in good company, but that when we catch ourselves doing it, that we need to allow that thought, but then to balance it with the other 24 patients that you, you know, that you did a great job in that were really happy with your care. Recently, I had the privilege and opportunity, really, to hear you promote and talk about the guiding principles that you call the five C's. Did, do you want to share with our listeners the, the five C's and how they may be able to help us? Yeah, thank you, Guylaine. You know, um, this is a framework that's come out of uh, the privilege of the work that I've been able to do with uh, colleagues over the past several decades. And I took the opportunity uh, about 
10 years ago or so to look at, you know, what were some themes that uh, colleagues, you know, have, have identified as have been really helpful to them, either in terms of staying well or regaining their sense of wellness uh, when that was needed. So the five uh, themes that can come up consistently, and I think are important for us to be able to acknowledge and share, are a sense of control, a level of commitment, caring connections, calming, and care for self. I'd like to go through each one of them just very quickly so that we can understand what they mean. So the first one is a sense of control. It is really important for us to feel in control. In fact, I would say the number one cause of stress is when we feel like we don't have any control. And a lot of times, um, and particularly bright, logical people look at the bulk of the problem. And a lot of times there's so much around us that we don't have control over. We know, for example, that burnout is uh, is a consequence of uh, system level factors, most of which we don't have immediate control over. So that starts to lead to stress. And one good way to balance that is to remind ourselves of what we can control. You know, those are the factors that are more personal. Those are, you know, we talked about our personality traits, our tendency to to always want to do our best, to give this our all, to push ourselves hard, to judge ourselves hard uh, and push us push ourselves beyond that. Our desire for things to be perfect, not just what we do, but in our environment and our team around us. And one of the things that we can look at is what we can and cannot control. And while the part that's us is not the bulk of the issue, it is the part that we have some control over. And it allows us to then balance out that feeling that we don't have any control in this situation, which then helps us feel more confident uh, moving forward. And the second C is commitment. What we see is that physicians who stay connected to their sense of purpose in medicine, you know, to be constantly aware of what it is about the work that I do that drew me to this, that really aligns with my sense of values, with my morals, and gives me that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day. The more we can stay connected to that uh, sense of commitment, uh, the healthier and well we're going, we're going to feel. But, you know, we can't do this alone. So the third C, uh, caring connections. We need to look at the uh, people that we have in our workplace that support us, that we can reach out to, to talk to, and, you know, as well as our personal support network as well, our family, our friends, our community. And uh, remember that uh, staying connected here is going to be really important for us. It gives us this environment in which we feel safe, we feel supported, and we have to make our effort, our own efforts in, in maintaining those connections and sustaining them long term. Those of us who uh, have techniques and strategies for calming ourselves also tend to do well, right? There, this is a high stress environment. And as we started off saying, even more so uh, since the, you know, the start of the pandemic. And those of us who have strategies to, first of all, allow the sense of stress that we feel and whatever emotions we have attendant to that, and then find some way to manage them or physically burn them off, and then some calming techniques as well. And we could look at things like mindfulness or gratitude or visualization or you know deep breathing techniques. Things like that are really helpful. And again, the more we do those proactively, the healthier we are. And finally, caring for ourselves. This is not just something we do at the very end when everything else is done. In fact, it's something we need to embed 
first off into our day. And this reminder that um, the healthier we are, the more able we are to provide what it is that people around us need from us. And uh, so instead of seeing that self-care as something, I don't know, selfish, as many colleagues have told me over the years, I like to reframe it as an investment, right? Investing a little bit of time and energy into yourself every day really allows you to be able to offer what others need from you. Um, and, and the other thing I just wanted to say is that ideally, we don't want to pick one of the C's or one or two of the C's. You really want to make sure that you're doing something from all five of those C's on a regular basis. This is so inspiring. And, and uh, for anyone out there who thinks, oh my God, five more things to add to my overfull list already, there are things that we're doing now that we can just acknowledge are actually contributing to those C's, right? I've discovered that if I get up a half hour earlier than I need to, and I spend that 30 minutes doing something that I really enjoy, like sitting outside with a cup of coffee and a word game or going for a walk, Mamta, you spoke to doing that when your kids were little as well before they would get up, right? Yeah, I just found that taking that extra time, you know, before in my life, certainly before my family woke up, I almost felt like before the rest of the world woke up. And, you know, there was just this little time where I felt I didn't, you know, I wasn't responsible for anyone or anything. And I could just do something for me and just go out, enjoy nature. I, I agree with you, Gilan. These are not things that take a lot of time or um, a lot of effort. And I think it's more, and some of these things really just take a couple of minutes. Right. And, you know, sometimes we think, for example, about mindfulness being, you know, a technique that I have to spend an hour doing some mindfulness exercise. Not at all. Right. And so as you talk about sitting outside with your cup of coffee or even looking out the window with your cup of coffee, just to take a moment and just be mindful of where you're sitting, what you're what all of your senses are feeling in terms of, you know, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? You know, what can I actually physically feel? Once you just engage all your senses, that just takes a minute or two, but it makes such a difference. And I also want to say that this is not something that is mutually exclusive with work, right? So you can also think about being mindful with the patient and how do I just sit in that room and really appreciate the interaction that's there. If I listen a little bit more, what we see is that takes some, you know, maybe 30 seconds more, but the satisfaction and the, you know, and, and the reminder of our commitment, for example, to medicine is greatly enhanced, right? So we're not really talking about finding huge chunks of time to do this. We're talking about looking for ways to embed them within your day. It also likely contributes to the patients feeling more connected with us, right? I, I remember early in my practice, I, I have learned so much from my patients, I can say. This 92-year-old woman who says to me, you never change inside. As you get older and the, and the envelope starts changing, of course, the inside stays the same. And as I get older, I just, I'm reminded of the wisdom of the people who surround us. So sometimes the connection we seek is actually with our patients uh, in a very appropriate way. There are colleagues out there who seem to have it all together, Mamta. They just, the, their wellness seems to be in check despite everything that's happening to them. How do we get past our fear of, of being vulnerable? And what do they do that other people find difficult? 
Well, so first of all, as I say, I think that, you know, they probably have figured out some, if not all of those five C's in different ways. And I will tell you that, again, this is part of the culture of medicine, right? We put on that mantle. And then with that comes along this appearance that we've got it all under control and we're doing fine, right? And um, you were talking about, you know, our fear of being vulnerable. And part of being vulnerable is reaching out to each other. It's so hard to be vulnerable. I uh, love uh, some of the work that uh, Brene Brown has done on vulnerability. And she talks about, you know, vulnerability is not weakness. It's actually our, our greatest measure of courage. Instead of feeling vulnerable, am I courageous enough to reach out and talk to somebody? And sometimes it can be just asking them how they're doing or sharing how I'm doing. And again, just a brief interaction. It doesn't have to be hours on end. But I think that what, you know, what I've realized over the years is that when I start that conversation, I am amazed how everybody in the room can contribute to it. I am not the only person feeling that way. And again, over over uh, the years, you know, colleagues have told me exactly the same thing that if they talk about uh, I don't know the stress of you know some complaint or lawsuit they're dealing with, everyone pipes up with their own situation, but nobody had talked about it earlier. If people talk about, you know, oh, my teenager's frustrating me, right? And everyone then has a story about their teenager. Again, not that they had ever shared it before, but in this context, they're all happy to, to add to this. You know, that's the courage part, right? Is to initiate those conversations and uh, remind ourselves that uh, we need each other as we go through this in our home, as well as our person, as our work lives. Wise words, Mumta. I could keep talking with you for the entire day, but uh, for this podcast, let me try and summarize a few takeaways. Being a physician is really an incredible privilege. We, we need to remember the good that we do. Acknowledge negative thoughts, but balance them with the positive. Wellness is more than the absence of negative mood or burnout. You, you actually need to work at this. The five C's, control, commitment, Caring connections, calming, and care for self. Mamta, do you have any final thoughts on on what you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, thank you so much for uh, first of all having this conversation. I think we are starting what I was saying about um, getting past the vulnerability to seeing this as courage, right? So hopefully, this will start some of those conversations. I want want to uh, remind uh, listeners about the five C's and and to think about you know what am I actually doing? Am I currently doing uh, in that regard? What did I used to do that I could restart doing? And perhaps is there something new I can add? Um, having thought about this, I want all of us to remember that. Uh, we're all in this together. We're in good company and we are here for each other. I want to remind you about the importance of self-compassion. We give so much compassion to our patients and to others. Kristen Neff and her work talk about the importance of self-compassion. You know, we work hard, we do our best. You know, it's important that we treat ourselves the way that we would treat another colleague who we also highly respect. And all of that's going to help us recommit to our work and remember, you know, why this is exactly what we wanted to do. Thank you, Mumta. Thank you for taking the time to share what I believe are realistic tips for a healthier path for us as medical specialists. And for for resources, uh, we will put a link to the five C's. Uh, an article was published in the Journal of the Canadian Society for Physician Leaders, and we'll put that link up for you alongside the podcast. 
You can also look up wellness at, at the Royal College website. We are redoing our website, so it's not quite perfect yet, but it will have an important place once our new website is revealed into 2023. And if you are struggling right now, reach out to the Physician Health Program. Most of our provincial and territorial medical associations will have links posted for the PHP or Physician Health Program. Please do reach out. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into Specialty Scoop, Actualité en Spécialité. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, give us a rating or write a review. And don't forget to share this episode with your peers, medical students, residents, specialists, really anyone who might be struggling to achieve a sense of their own wellness. And although we spoke of and for physicians today, it actually applies to healthcare workers in general. Write to us at fellowshipaffairs at royalcollege.ca with suggestions or feedback on this podcast. You can also tune into and share the Royal College's podcast for medical students called Specialty Café, Café des Spécialités, an opportunity for specialists and residents to share a day in the life of their specialty. Until next time, I'm Guylaine Lefebvre.